I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Eric Weinick of the law firm Otterberg. Eric is also founder of the law firm's privacy and cybersecurity practice. So, Eric, we saw ransomware attacks hit all segments of the healthcare sector in 2021. What are your predictions for how ransomware attacks might morph this year, especially as we're still dealing with the worldwide pandemic? I think we're going to continue to see that trend, and it's it's going to grow much like the virus, unfortunately, uh, especially as we've seen a lot of new participants in the healthcare sector and, and new part, not just in providing healthcare, but being involved in healthcare. So organizations that have not traditionally been entrusted with healthcare related information now find themselves in possession of it and may not have the infrastructure in place to safely deal with it. And going back to the first point, quite a few new entrants that have sought to take economic advantage of the pandemic and and gone into areas such as testing and provision of care that have literally around the country popped up on every street corner and have in their race to deploy their services to people around the world may not have built their information security infrastructure to, to match what they're doing. And so they may find themselves very vulnerable to ransomware and other attacks. With that said, any advice to those entities? Take a breath, reach out to professionals, lawyers, and technical folks that are experienced in building out these systems and take the time at the beginning to try to mitigate problems rather than responding to them later. So Eric, we've also seen at least one lawsuit so far alleging that a ransomware attack on a hospital contributed to the death of a patient, a baby born with serious complications during a disruptive ransomware attack on a hospital in Alabama. Do you think we're going to see more of these sorts of lawsuits and why? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, that's a tragic situation. In some ways, it's surprising that this is the first instance that we've seen of something go that wrong. In every industry, not just healthcare, we've become more and more dependent upon technology. And so it's important that organizations train for and prepare for the inevitable attack. And it can't just be the folks that are running the IT systems that need to train and prepare for their responses. It has to be every level of employee for that organization. In the case of of a hospital, the doctors to the nurses to the uh, dispensary need to have systems in place and understand what they're going to do if the technical systems that they rely on on a daily basis are unavailable. How are they going to perform procedures? How are they going to dispense medication? How are they going to track information? How are they going to turn patients over between shifts? Because as, as you mentioned at the outset, these attacks, unfortunately, are going to become more and more prevalent. They can be mitigated. No system is foolproof. And so as we like to say, it's often not a question of if, but a question of when. And so we really need to be prepared for those situations. And the lawsuits, unfortunately, 
will follow tragedies like this and and even in instances that maybe aren't as extreme and aren't as tragic as as the instance in Alabama with the newborn but less serious injuries there will be enterprising plaintiffs attorneys that will seek to take advantage of that and and bring litigation afterwards and Eric you sort of touched upon this, but what are some of the top lessons emerging from the Alabama case so far in terms of data security and business continuity for hospitals and other healthcare sector entities that do face potentially disruptive ransomware attacks that could put patient safety in jeopardy? Often hospitals go back to relying on paper. In the case of the Alabama situation, the clinicians did not have access to timely fetal monitoring data, you know, that supposedly led or contributed to the complications for the baby. What are, what's your advice in terms of do they need to rethink their business continuity plans in terms of going back to manual and paper? Does that really work? Well, I think they do need to to rethink the, the business continuity. I think you're right. There's two parts of it, right? There's the IT function of trying to prevent situations like this from happening and that there are a number of ways to, you know, putting it in the healthcare context, give it, give an ounce of prevention in terms of getting systems to, to work correctly and prevent these attacks. But in, in terms of business continuity, just as healthcare providers, for instance, in, in the emergency rooms practice mass trauma incidents, they need to practice and rehearse for their systems being down. We participate with corporate clients on a regular basis in what we call tabletop exercises to walk through what's going to happen in the event of an attack, who's going to be responsible for what, who's going to do what. And that needs to happen with healthcare providers on a regular basis. Uh, We in New York and other places are required by the fire department to participate in fire drills on on a regular basis and healthcare providers need to on a regular basis and certainly with new employees go over what are the procedures if the usual technological systems that they rely on aren't available from for patient monitoring and dispensing of medications and things like that it's great if you have a playbook which by the way should be in paper form not on an iPad someplace that might not be accessible in the event of an attack, but people have to be familiar with it. It can't be that the first time that something happens is the first time they're opening that book. They need to look at it on a regular basis. They need to sit down in a conference room or, or devote some actual care facilities every so often to, to walking through that. And Eric, from a regulatory and legal standpoint this year, what else are you keeping your eyes on in terms of healthcare, data privacy, security, and breach issues? It seems like every state legislature, if they haven't spent time this past year, are going to be spending time this coming year legislating on the issue of privacy. I think that we're going to see not just in the regulatory realm, but in the litigation realm, pushback. People were very, very quick in the pandemic to turn over information. And as I said a little earlier, very quick to turn over information that they might not otherwise have turned over to non-healthcare providers, uh, sensitive healthcare information. And you'll either see that misused intentionally or unintentionally, and there'll be litigation and regulatory response as a result of that. 
In terms of the sort of businesses that did pop up during the pandemic that are handling health data, are these new entities typically HIPAA covered? Are they not? They fall outside the umbrella? What sorts of organizations are you most worried about? I'm particularly concerned about the ones that fall outside of the HIPAA umbrella and were set up purposely so, particularly in the testing realm. And I I think a lot about what is going to happen as the pandemic winds down. I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist. I think we, we will get to that point. But the other hat that I wear, in addition to working on privacy and cybersecurity issues, is I work on bankruptcy-related issues. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about and implementing plans to dispose of data at the end of an organization's life cycle. And so just as we've seen a proliferation of testing facilities, both mobile and brick and mortar, as we've seen proliferation of walk-in medical care facilities. As the need for those contracts a bit, you you may see some bankruptcies and, and other business termination events. And what is going to happen to all of that data that was collected during the quick ramp up of those organizations? Is it going to be sold to somebody unbeknownst to the people that provided it? Is it just simply going to sit on a shelf unsecured someplace? So these are issues that we in the industry need to think about, be proactive about, and regulators and others need to give some thought to that as well as what's going to happen to all this information that we've collected when it's no longer needed. Well, thank you very much, Eric. I've been speaking to Eric Weinick. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.